Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Evergreen Heights Church. I'm Pastor Andrew. It's awesome that you're joining us this morning for a time of worship and a special service this morning. It is our prayer service. And to help lead us in worship this morning, we have a special guest this morning, Dan McCauley from Buffalo, New York. You will be blessed this morning. He is a gifted and anointed worship leader. And so right where you are, I encourage you to enter in to worship Jesus because he deserves all our worship. He's doing so much in our life, even when we don't see it. He's still at work. And so let's worship him this morning with all that we have as Dan leads us this morning. You'll be encouraged by the special service that we have lined up for you today as we center him on who God is. We worship him, we love him, and we know that he hears all of our prayers together. Amen. So let's begin by worshiping the Lord. Hello, church. It's good to be with you, however, virtually today. My name is Dan McCauley, and uh, we're going to sing some worship together. Now, I know that this can feel a little bit weird on that side of the screen. I've been on that side of the screen a bunch this this year, and it feels a little weird sometimes to sing over the internet when you're not in the room with the people, and you've got your phone, or you've got your TV, or your laptop, or however you're, you're viewing this today. But let me encourage you to nudge yourself towards some form of participation today. If that's singing at the top of your lungs along with me, then that is awesome. If you're not quite there yet, if that's a little too weird, maybe whisper singing, maybe reading the words along and agreeing with them in your heart, but in some form, participate with me today. And I know the same Holy Spirit that's with me right now is with you where you are. We're going to worship Him together, turn our attention on Him together. Shall we do that? Song again, whatever. May 
name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus what a wonderful name it is what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a wonderful name it is and nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Oh, you have no rival, you have no
center of it all. Come on, sing this for yourself. Sing, Jesus, be the center of my
It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the lips, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. For a while now here at Evergreen, we've been focusing on Jesus on how Jesus lived, and on how he calls us to live as his followers as we experience and extend his kingdom in our world. We started off in the fall by looking at each of the Beatitudes, and since January, we've specifically been looking at Jesus' teachings on peacemaking. If you've been at Evergreen for a while, then you know that at the beginning of each year, we spend some time intentionally focusing on prayer and praying together as a church family. And that's what we're going to be doing together this morning. This morning's service is going to be a little bit different than other Sundays. This morning, we're going to read scripture together. We're going to take some time to reflect on different postures that we're called to embrace as disciples of Jesus. And then we're going to practice a posture prayer after each reflection to help us align our hearts with the kingdom of God and open ourselves up to what God wants to do in our lives. And then we're going to share in communion together as a way of celebrating the unity that we have with Jesus and with one another. For a few years at Evergreen, we've really been learning as a community to shift away from being passive spectators who sit back and watch a ser service every Sunday morning without ever really being transformed and becoming people who are present to God and engaged in an active process of discipleship. Now, this is especially a challenge in the season that we're in, where we're all watching church on our TV screens or on other devices. But as we continue with this morning's service, I want to encourage you to be really intentional about being present and engaged with what we're doing. As we read scripture, focus on the words. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through it. As we pray, actually do the postures, even if it feels a little bit awkward and pay attention to how God is moving in your life. As we practice confession and take communion, don't miss the meaning and the significance of what we're professing and doing together. Many of you are probably familiar with the Infinitum Posture Prayer. It's something that we've practiced in a few different ways uh, now at Evergreen. And that's the prayer that we're going to be moving through today. The Infinitum Prayer is all about following Jesus. In the world we live in, there are all kinds of things that are competing for our attention. The truth is that we're all following someone or something. Our lives are shaped by what we give priority to. And being a Christian is about more than just believing in God. It's about following Jesus. It's about making him the focus in everyday, ordinary parts of our lives. Sometimes we make discipleship more complicated than it really actually is, but Jesus made it really simple for us. He taught us that life in the kingdom is defined by loving God and loving others. All of the other commandments in scripture can be summed up in those two. It's incredibly simple, but it's also really difficult, as you know, to live out in practice. But thankfully, it's not up to us to force ourselves into becoming loving people. It's what God wants to do in our lives as we open ourselves up to his work within us. 
Let's walk through some of the postures that help us to do that now, starting with the posture of surrender. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for the, my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? The passage that was just read from the Gospel of Luke has always blown my mind. I, I think it's because it just seems so challenging, doesn't it? If I want to follow Jesus, then I have to give up my own way. I actually have to, to give up what I want, what I think is the right way, and instead center my life in Him. Center my life in Him by surrendering my deep need to have things my way. Surrender is the ultimate posture of a disciple. It's the posture of completely abandoning my life the way I want it to be and instead be transformed into the way God wants me to be. Our human condition of sin really struggles with a passage like this, doesn't it? Yet Jesus doesn't mess around when he teaches his disciples the concept of fully surrendering our lives to him. He goes as far to say that if we keep trying to hang on to our life under our terms, we will actually lose it. Now, think about that. The more we struggle to surrender, the more we fight back for control, Jesus says the more we'll actually lose life instead of living it. I really think that the enemy loves it when we fight for control, when we push back against Jesus and the way he calls us to surrender fully to him. You see, this call of surrender is the key to living our lives with Jesus at the center. Until we fully give up our life, we will never fully experience his presence, his love, and his saving grace. This is why the church needs to take on the posture of surrender in all areas of our lives. Our life is no longer about us. Instead, we're called to let go and to learn to trust our entire lives to Jesus. Surrender is the posture of living under the Lordship of Christ, and it's the ultimate posture of a disciple. So as we pray this posture today, take it seriously. Because it's the gateway to a spirit-filled life centered in the love of Jesus. And it's the only way to be transformed from life that leads to death into a life that is being fully lived. Let's hold up our fists like we're ready for a fight and make this confession. I confess that my natural posture is to fight for myself. It's to take control. It's to do things my way. Think for a moment about those areas of your life where you're taking things into your own hands. Where are you pushing for your own way? Where are you grasping for control? And now we raise our hands above our heads and we choose a posture of surrender. God, I give up. My life is not about me. You be in charge. I give you this day. I give you my life. 
I trust you with all of my fears, my failures, my successes, and my opportunities. Today, I choose surrender. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We live in a world where we're constantly being told that we don't have enough or that we're not enough. Whether it's through billboards or the ongoing bombardment of advertisements that we're exposed to through technology, or whether it comes by comparing ourselves to others on other people's highlight reels on their social media accounts. So many of us live with a constant sense that we just need a little bit more. A little bit more money, a little bit more time, a little bit more respect or success. We live in a culture that tries really hard to make sure that we are living with a mindset of scarcity. And because of that, we tend to hang on really tightly to what we've got. We're afraid to lose what we have because we feel like there might not be enough to go around. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to live in a posture of generosity. We're called to be people who live with open hands in a closed-fisted culture. Most of the time, when we think about generosity, we think about being generous with our money. And the kind of generosity that we learn about in scripture definitely includes that. It includes being generous with our financial resources and with our material things. But it's also so much bigger than that. God calls us to be generous with our entire lives, with our love, with our time, with our kindness, with our entire selves. This is the kind of generosity that John is talking about in the passage we just listened to. Jesus gave up everything for us. He showed us what love was by sacrificing everything, even his life for us. And he calls us to follow in his footsteps in the way that we live and love and interact with others. And we're free to be generous because we know that we are in the care of the God who created everything and holds it all together. Here's what's true. We can't give away what we don't have, but God has more than enough love to go around. His grace never runs out. He's never worried about running out of material resources. He created everything, it's all his. And God relates to us as a loving father. He provides for us and sustains us with everything that we need. Freely we receive from God, so freely we give to others. Let's open ourselves up to receive what we need from God today and then open our hands as we embrace this call to live in a posture of generosity. Let's put our hands in front of us and we close our fists and together let's make this confession. I confess that my natural posture is to take things for myself. It's to cling to what I have. Take a moment to think about some things that you are holding onto tightly, things you are afraid to lose. And now we open up our hands. And God, we remember that every good and perfect gift comes from you. 
So now with our hands open, we ask you for the things that we need today. We ask you to fill us with your love, your peace. We need patience, hope, freedom, healing, and grace. And then we choose to hold our hands open to freely give what we have freely received. We choose a posture of generosity. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The passage that we just heard often falls on deaf ears in the church today because we just quote it so much. But it's actually one of the most important commands that we receive from Jesus. It's our call to live life through him on mission. When we hear the word mission, many of us default to thinking something that is done overseas by someone that is called by God to uproot their lives and go live in a different country or something like that, mostly with the intent to teach others about Jesus the North American way. But, but that's not really what this passage is specifically calling us to. Like, sure. One might be called to somewhere else to bring Jesus to another part of the world. That's certainly part of what he's saying. But I think that, that what Jesus means is more personal than that, more specific. You see, the Great Commission starts with Jesus stating that all authority has been given to him. That he is the one with the credentials to call us into this mission-based way of living our everyday lives. Then he says, we're to go to actively share the good news to others, to not keep what we know a secret, but to share it with our neighbors, our families, our co-workers. But not just to share it, but to live it as a disciple that makes disciples. You see, Jesus never gives us an out. He sees mission as a way of life, a life fully surrendered to him, not an outreach program or a special day that we might put together once a year. Mission is not even about an evangelistic outreach, even when we get others to, to put their hands up and say a prayer of salvation. No, mission is actually about making disciples. And Jesus says a disciple is a person who follows him by giving up their lives, by surrendering everything to him. Mission is about living for something greater than ourselves. It's a radical call to share our lives with others as fully surrendered kingdom people. It's a life centered in the Lordship of Jesus. You see, living life on mission, the way Jesus describes it, is a posture of living as a follower of Jesus with meaningful intention in our everyday world. It means Jesus is our world, and we can't help but share his grace, his mercy, and his love. The way of mission becomes who we are, not a program. 
It's just how we live life by sharing Jesus in all aspects of our lives. We're called to be fully surrendered disciples who lead others into a fully surrendered life in Jesus. So as we pray this posture, look at it like it's a matter of life and death, because it is. We're called to share this kingdom life with the world, to make a difference, and to love those around us unconditionally, including our enemies. This is the way of mission that Jesus lived and calls each of us to live. Let's cross our arms in front of our chest and confess that our natural posture is to spectate. It's to critique is to say, it's not my problem. Take a moment to think about areas of your life where you are setting yourself apart, areas of judgment, where you've been standing on the sidelines, areas where you've been criticizing those who are trying. And now we open up our arms and we choose a posture of mission, a posture of engagement. Those areas we once judged, those areas we once distanced ourselves from, we now open ourselves up to. God, we embrace your kingdom mission. We are available. Today we choose a posture of mission. God, help us to live out of these postures today. Let us live lives that are defined by surrender, generosity, and mission. Strengthen us to represent your love and your light in this broken world. Amen. This morning, we're going to share in communion together. But before we do that, to prepare our hearts, we're gonna have some time for confession. Confession isn't something that we practice an awful lot, but it is an incredibly powerful practice because it gives us the opportunity to speak what is true. It gives us space to be honest with God and with each other about our failures and our brokenness, and to invite God to meet us in those areas that we so often try to hide so that we can receive his forgiveness and be transformed. So would you join me now in this prayer of confession? God, when we see the brokenness and violence in our world, it's tempting for us to point a finger of blame at others. But we know that we are not blameless. We also contribute to the brokenness and pain of our world. So we come before you today and we confess our sin and ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us for when we harbor anger and impatience in our hearts. Forgive us for the times that we allow grievances and jealousy to destroy our relationships with others. Forgive us for when we fail to act with love toward one another, even those within our own church community. Forgive us for the times that we harbor hidden prejudices against those who are different from us. Forgive us for when we hesitate to act or speak out against violence and injustice. Forgive us for holding so tightly to what we have, even though so many in our world don't have enough. 
God, you have called us to be peacemakers, to continue the reconciling ministry of Jesus Christ. Remove from us everything that could prevent us from being true agents of reconciliation in our broken world. Through our lives and by our prayers, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Friends in Christ, God is steadfast in love and infinite in mercy. Receive these words of assurance from Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Jesus be the center of your church. Jesus be the center of your church. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess you, Jesus. 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 From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you.
Today, as we move into communion, we're celebrating the entire life of Jesus. So we don't want you to, to just sit back and watch. We actually want you to participate. So as we prepare today for communion, there's going to be times where I actually want you to respond back to what I have just said. Now, now don't worry, others will be doing it with you on the screen, so it's, it's going to be quite easy to participate. But let's participate in community, doing the Lord's Supper together. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Holy God, source of life and goodness, all creation rightly gives you praise. In the fullness of time, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He healed the sick and ate and drank with outcasts and sinners. He opened the eyes of the blind and proclaimed the good news of your kingdom to the poor and to those in need. In all things, he fulfilled your gracious will. On the night, he freely gave himself to death. Our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Gracious God, his perfect sacrifice destroys the power of sin and death by raising him to life. You gave us life forevermore. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Recalling his death, proclaiming his resurrection, and looking for his coming again in glory, we offer you, Father, this bread and this cup. Send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts that all who eat and drink at this table may be one body and one holy people, a living sacrifice in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Will you take with me the bread? And now will you drink his blood in Jesus' name? Amen.
Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. trust him how I've proved him over and over Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him center in our lives this morning come back and be the center Lord we say come back be the center we say we are going to make you the center the only thing worth it the only thing worth that position and that place in our lives Jesus, you're faithful and good. What a powerful time that we've had together through prayer, reflection, and communion. Before we go today, we want to leave you with a passage found at the end of Ephesians that says this, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. As you go today, know that He is with you, He is for you, and He can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask, imagine, or think. Have a great Sunday as you trust in Him and live for Jesus in this world.